running out of water, cell phone breaking, and a triathlon emergency. All within the last week. Today I want to share you how those three situations actually opened my mind to a blood sugar situation that could have been extremely dangerous and how you can learn about identifying that in your own life before it actually causes damage. If you don't know who I am, my name is Matthew Vandevecht. I'm a certified master fitness trainer and nutritionist living with type 1 diabetes. And today I'm going to break down some common misconceptions and give you a, a brief look into how you might be able to find the solution to your blood sugar frustrations. So we'll get into our theme song and then jump into those three seemingly unrelated but ridiculous stories. Let's jump in. I've spent the last 10 years pushing the limits while identifying trends and patterns in my type 1 diabetes management. Follow along as I learn, apply, and share the fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle strategies that I've learned from diabetes experts around the world. The real question is, how can we live fearlessly with diabetes while maintaining stable blood sugars? This podcast is here to give you the answer. My name is Matt Vandevecht, head coach and co-founder of FTF Warrior, and welcome to Part of My Pancreas. Story number one, I'm going to keep these quick. We ran out of water, my daughter and I. It was a sketchy situation. So long story short, uh, we have this really expensive, super fancy water filtration system for our drinking water. And uh, my brother-in-law is a water expert. He recommended this and he actually set us up with an extra triple level filtration thing because he really cares about his niece, my daughter. <laughs> and so uh, we've been set up with this amazing system to give us the purest drinking water. Uh, the issue is that over the course of time, you're supposed to do certain processes to keep it clean. I've been ignoring that and it's been uh, leading into some issues over the last few months, but I ignored it. I'd been busy, or so I told myself. And so it didn't get the attention that it needed. And over the course of time, it went from full flow to just kind of trickling out of the water spout. And I, I was filming a video for him. In fact, I'll put it on screen if you're watching with us. I'm filming it and I'm telling him, hey, it's coming out of the, the secondary hose, but like the drinking water is barely even functional. Like, nothing's coming out hardly. And as I was filming it, it stopped running entirely. And I was like, oh no, we just, we just ran out of water. And we ended up not having water for six hours. Now, the quick takeaway from that is I should have done something about that many, many months ago, right? Upon the first issue, the first symptom of the problem. Oh, the water's not working properly. I should probably look into this and fix it or clean it or whatever you're supposed to do, right? But I didn't. I put it off and I paid the price. Now we were without water, minor emergency. We didn't have drinking water during that time. Uh, you know, I'm thirsty. Uh, if you don't know diabetics, if you don't drink water, if you're dehydrated, that can lead into its own pool of issues like higher blood sugars. Uh, but my daughter, you know, I had a little bit of leftover water, thankfully, so obviously she got it. But I'm supposed to work out that day. I'm going to be thirsty for that. And it's like, Dang it, this is derailing my entire day. Had to call in a favor with family and I was like, hey, can you drop off some clean water? Because we have none. And my wife happened to take the car with the car seat that day. So I was like, I can't even leave the house if I wanted to, to get water. So I was up a creek, so to speak. 
And so that, we're gonna stop that lesson right there. We'll tie back into it. But the second example, a broken phone. This is a real quick story. My wife's phone has been acting up for about a year and I've done nothing. We keep saying, this is the weekend. We're gonna go get you a new phone. And we keep putting it off because other things come up. It's just not a priority. We'll get to it, right? It's still working good enough. And that's a term we hear in diabetes a lot. But all that to say, this weekend was a big triathlon. We'll get to that story next. But in the, the chaos of preparing for my wife's first triathlon and my third, and in fact, I'm wearing my shirt right now, triathlon shirt. This is really exciting. I'll tell you about the story in a sec. But in preparing for the weekend, we're both going a million miles an hour trying to get our bikes set up and wetsuits and running shoes and all these different things. And her phone completely dies. She can't use it. It stops functioning. And this is something that's been going on for a year. We pushed it off, we ignored it, we procrastinated, and once again, paying the price for ignoring the symptoms, the, uh, the obvious, very obvious signs that it needed to be taken care of. Now, before I get into the last piece of the triathlon and the emergency that happened there, I wanted to kind of pinpoint this theme that we have so far, which is Band-Aid fixes. So the Band-Aid fix with the water, we would just turn the flow on higher, so, you know, initially you only have to push the lever down halfway and you get a steady state of water flowing out that you can drink. Over the course of the last few months, we've had to push it all the way down, which previously would be a fire hose coming out of the water faucet. Now, all the way on was just a trickle of water. That should have been clear to us and we just thought Band-Aid fix, just push it more, right? More water should come out. It's not, it's getting worse. With the foam, Oh, just delete some of your photos. That should speed up your phone. Oh, we'll just get better internet, right? Oh, just do a factory reset or this, this, and that. Trying to put Band-Aid fixes on these things. That kind of worked, but if we're being honest with ourselves, didn't, right? Now, the last story, before we get into the diabetes and the blood sugar lesson, is this triathlon emergency that popped up. So one of the biggest rules in the sport of triathlon that I have been told time and time again, yet I continue to make the same mistake, is to not change anything the week of your race, especially the day before and the day of. Don't change your food, don't change your exercise routine, don't change your gear, don't try anything new, just keep it simple. So, like a complete rookie, I decided the week before the race, I was going to attempt my first ever bike cleaning. So I was gonna clean my chain, degrease it, lube it up, because I wanted to be faster for my race. <laughs> you know, and really, uh, really impressed my wife. You know, I wanted to look good, because she was gonna be joining me on the course that day. And uh, I couldn't find the lube, so I only got half of the cleaning process of my bike done the week before. The night before the race, I found my lubricant. I went and re-degreased and re-cleaned my bike chain, put the lube on, took it out for a spin, and couldn't shift. My bike broke. It completely stopped working, and I'm supposed to be in bed in like two hours, and my bike doesn't work. So I rush out the door panicking, thinking, who can I ask? Who can I talk to? What shop is even still open? It's closing time. I called up a local shop, and I was like, hey, I know you guys close in 20 minutes. If I come right now, can you take a quick look at my bike? Because I have a triathlon tomorrow morning. You know, I'm up at 4.30 in the morning. I don't have time to do anything, really. Long story short, yes, 
to follow the theme of today, I ended up paying the price, but they were able to fix it enough. And they told me very clearly multiple times, hey buddy, uh, we're gonna get your bike ready for race day, but you need to come back in. This will break if you don't really get to the solution. Uh, it turns out my bike has parts that are not meant for the bike itself because somebody else had also tried to apply a band-aid fix. There, it's called a cassette. So the rear cassette was broken. They just slapped on another cassette randomly from a different bike that didn't fit. So my bike is made up of multiple bike parts, apparently, because I bought it used, like a, a silly person. Uh, that's a mistake I'll probably never make again, yeah, because ultimately the parts that were on my bike were not meant for it, led into it breaking the night before my triathlon. So somebody else's Band-Aid fixes are impacting my life, and then my Band-Aid fixes, of course, over the last few months of seeing these issues pop up that I knew I needed to take care of, I just I kept ignoring them. I'd make little tweaks and say, okay, that's good enough for today's ride. I'll fix it next week. And over time, all these band-aids are starting to, we'll call it, quote unquote, lose their stickiness. They're no longer effective. And it all comes down to the night before where all the band-aids just fall off because they're not working anymore. There's too many things that are going wrong and my bike breaks the night before a triathlon. If you don't have a bike, you cannot compete. <laughs> and so the guys at the shop is like, look, dude, you need to get this thing fixed like for good. You cannot ride this bike long term. It'll work for tomorrow, probably. And phew, thank God it did. Okay, the triathlon at this point of recording this was yesterday. It went amazing. My wife completed hers and had a, a great time. It was so cool. Uh, and she crushed the time that she wanted to get. So uh, the lessons I want you to pull from this as we get into the diabetes side of this episode are that Band-Aid fixes are helpful short term, but are detrimental long term. And for me, as a rule of thumb, what I've noticed, especially in the last week with three major components of our life that came crashing down, right? We no longer had clean drinking water. We no longer had a form of communication. My wife was out and about and her phone died. And then three, I had a very big competition, my triathlon race, and my bike broke, which means I would have been disqualified. I wouldn't have been able to even attempt the race. And thankfully, we were able to navigate all three of those well enough. Uh, and actually the water, we had to go deep into uh, well, literally a deep cleaning of the full system. Uh, the phone we're still working on. It's a whole process and it's been more difficult because we waited so long. And three, because there's that's other stuff to deal with, but three, the triathlon, I now have a bike that has to be either rebuilt or I have to go buy a new bike because the damage has been done. With diabetes, there are so many band-aids that we put on to our diabetes management, right? Where uh, you know we go out to eat, and it's it's typically restriction. I'll just be straight up with you. Like usually, the band-aid that gets applied is restriction of the types of foods that we eat, of our schedules that we're restricted to. It's of different types of activities that we say no to because it's too difficult, or it's letting our blood sugars take the driver's seat and impact how we make decisions. Right, so what I've noticed oftentimes is um, I can't play volleyball 
yet. I have to wait for my blood sugars to be in a good spot. I can't have that many carbs at dinner because it'll make my blood sugar skyrocket. I can't go travel to this country for this fun family event because the time zones are going to wreck my blood sugar management. It's this restriction that we put ourselves into, into this box, this prison of diabetes in order to try to appease diabetes. <laughs> it's the most frustrating and saddening thing I can think of. But on the topic of band-aids for today, oftentimes there are these symptoms or signs that come about as we're living our life with diabetes that we apply band-aids to just to keep it stable enough, right? And good enough seems to be a big topic uh, in the doctors and endo offices as well. Hey doc, how am I doing? Oh, you're good enough. Yeah, no worries. Keep doing what you're doing, right? A lot of my clients come to me like that. Oh, I asked my doctor for how I could improve my A1C or my time and range, and they said, oh, don't change anything. You're, you're doing pretty good. And the issue is pretty good, right? I don't want to be just pretty good. I want to be my best. I want blood sugars to not get in the way of decisions that I make or of enjoying food or going on bike rides or doing whatever I want when I want right? And it's these band-aids that we apply, uh, like low carb. Let's just call out one of the most common ones. If you are following a low carb or a keto or carnivore, any type of diet, is that because you truly just love that food and you hate all other foods? Like, do you really hate carbs? Or if we're being vulnerable and honest with ourselves, was that a decision made with diabetes in mind, with blood sugars in mind. That athletic event or going for a walk or a hike or a bike ride with family, did you say no or did you delay or did you go home early really because you wanted to or was it because of diabetes, right? And I'll leave you with this. There's a really common story that you may or may not have heard of, but it's a question of how do you kill a frog in a pot of water? Do you boil the water and just toss the frog in if it's in a shallow pan? No, the frog will jump out because it's hot, it's burning, it's shocking. But when the problems that we experience are not shocking enough, that you know don't rattle our cages like me running out of clean drinking water, that rattled me a little bit, right? That's intense, that's borderline emergency uh, because I had no way of going out and getting more water since I had my daughter who needs a car seat that I didn't have, right? With diabetes, with the frog, with all these things, if it's not shocking enough, we can fall into a complacency pattern where it's quote unquote good enough. And complacency is the silent killer, right? It nearly disqualified me from a triathlon. It nearly put us in a very dangerous situation with my wife not being able to contact me when she needed to. It very well could have put me into a dangerous position where my daughter and I did not have clean water for a full day, which for a toddler, is a big deal, right? Now, with the frog, to go back to that analogy, the best way, if you were, to try to kill a frog with a shallow pan of water that's boiling is not to throw it into a boiling pan of water because it is shocking and it will jump out. Rather, you put the frog into a shallow pan of water that is room temperature. No warmth, no coldness, it's just room temperature, so it doesn't even notice it. And slowly over time, you crank up the heat just a little bit little bit, little bit. And as the slow increase of temperature is not shocking enough, the frog will not notice it. It will go completely unnoticed. It gets comfortable. It gets complacent. 
and eventually the frog will boil alive and it will die because it didn't notice how bad things were getting. With diabetes, a lot of these things that we encounter, these little subtle decisions that we change our mind on, because of diabetes, we justify it as, oh, I was just not that hungry, right? Or I, I didn't really want to go on that five-mile hike to a gorgeous waterfall that I'll never see in my entire life again because that was the one chance I had. No, see, these things happen over time and they help us or hurt us into developing complacency, into ignoring the bigger picture, the bigger problem, which is the quality of life that we're giving up, the peace of mind that we'll never experience. And for me, that was a huge part of the battle. For years, I had what would be considered perfect blood sugars, but it was only by, because I was operating inside of a prison of diabetes. I ate at the same time every single day. I counted every single carb and I didn't eat a lot of them. Uh, I was very consistent and rigid with the types of exercise that I would do. Never push the boundaries because just in case it goes wrong, right? But you can't swing all the way to the quality of life side of the equation either and ignore the blood sugars because before I experienced the perfect blood sugars, I chose that route. I call it living stupid fearless. <laughs> I was doing whatever I want, eat whatever I want, and just pretend the blood sugars don't really exist, right? And you gotta have the balance between the two where you're healthy and happy. But the only way that can be accomplished is with blood sugar formulas because it allows you to gain the control without the obsession. Because if you have a formula that you can lean on and just plug numbers into, it simplifies everything. But it allows for that precision as an outcome, right? So I'll break this down because I know people are curious, like how do you know what the band-aids are? How do you know if you're uh, even on the right track with these things? We break it down into four simple steps within our programs. So I'm gonna share that with you right now, if that's okay. So step number one, we want to increase our time in range. And now a lot of doctors think that 70% is a-okay. The issue is that if you look at it like a report card, 70% is not a-okay, it's c-okay. <laughs> it's just okay, right? 70% is a c-minus, that's barely passing. And in our book, we've noticed that a lot of our clients experience a higher quality of life, more peace of mind and more certainty as time and range crosses over a minimum of 80 or 85%. When you get to that point, blood sugars tend to be a bit more controlled, but the key is to do so without obsessing over the numbers or restricting your quality of life. We'll get to that in number four. So step number one, increase your time and range, okay? At least 80%, that's our first goal. Uh, most of my clients are targeting 90% or higher because they want to, well, they have seen me do it ultimately. <laughs> they want that too, because it's nice, right? My average right now is, I'll put it on the screen, I think it was 95% this last week with the chaos, with a triathlon that I competed in, right? 95%, it's pretty good, right? Now, number two is to lower your average blood sugar. So 100% time and range at 170, it's good, not great, right? Because it's still higher than we like. I'm gonna lower the average, which also is going to correlate with your A1C. So we'll just call that a lower A1C, but I'm gonna add a word in there, a lower true A1C. What I mean by that is you can have an A1C of 5.5, but hit low and high every single day. That sucks. That's not quality of life. It's maddening, I've been there. Plus lows just really pull you out of life. It's not fun at all. So second step is a lower true A1C, which means if you're at a 5.5, 
you're not at the 5.5 as a result of going low all the time. You're at a 5.5 because your average blood sugars are sitting in the 80s, 90s, and low 100s. Sounds good, right? Now, the third step to this is to reduce your standard deviation. Basically, the ups and downs of your blood sugars all day long, okay? So we want to keep it stable at the lower average as much as possible, which you can only achieve if you're able to predict where they're going to go and take the necessary actions to get there, okay? Standard deviation, uh, let's go back. A1C threshold, most of my clients target below a 6.5, and a lot of them target below a six, actually. But 6.5 is more realistic for the full audience that I know is going to watch this. Uh, doctors will tell you that even a seven is amazing, and that should be your goal. I've had clients tell me that their doctor told them to go from a 6.5 to above a seven because they were like, oh, we only know that seven is good, so target the seven. It's so frustrating because they don't stop to ask contextual questions like, is the lower A1C because of lows or just because you're crushing it? And they're like, because I'm crushing it, you know, I'm working with Matt. Anyways, standard deviation, a target we're going for here, for most of my clients, the first acceptable target we're shooting for is below 40. Now, that is our first target within the first couple of weeks, if we can. Now, graduation targets, you want to get standard deviation below 30. If you can get below 30, you can pursue greatness if you would like to attempt it, which is getting standard deviation below a 20. That is very difficult to maintain without proper strategies. But I just want to share with you guys some of the data points that we use, uh, some of the thresholds and markers and milestones of success. Now, step number four, this is where it all comes into play with formulas, is quality of life. I cannot stress this enough. If you control blood sugars, but don't have a high quality of life or peace of mind, is it even worth it? Right? Like, what is the point? You're not going to get to the end of your life and have everyone high-five you because you maintained a 5.2A1C for your entire life because you said no to everything. Nobody's going to care, right? You're not going to You'll probably be super depressed about it because you missed out on the entirety of life just to keep blood sugars in check. Why, right? Now, again, there is a balance because if you are ignoring blood sugars, to have the high quality of life, well, that quality of life is going to be cut short, right? Because the blood sugars, if they're not controlled, could have some pretty detrimental impacts on overall health and lifespan. So you got to get all four of those. That's where the formulas come into play, though, is tight control with quality of life. Happy and healthy. It's got to go both ways. Be balanced. Now, how do you identify if you're putting Band-Aids on? You got to be honest with yourself. That's it. There is no magical framework for this. You have to be honest with yourself and ask, why did I say no to that? Why did I choose to have a salad for dinner instead of the pasta? Because it looks amazing. I'm pretty sure I would enjoy that. It looks delicious, right? Why am I nervous about going for a bike ride with my family when there's insulin on board? It's based in uncertainty in most of these things. I can't have the pasta. Why? Because I don't know if I'm going to go high, right? I can't go for that hour-long bike ride with friends in the mountains. Why? Because I don't know if I'm going to go low in the middle of the mountains. That sounds scary, right? Uncertainty is going to be the leading cause for most of these band-aids being applied in the first place. Now, 
there is a second side to this, which is complacency and intentional complacency is a different discussion. That's usually a mindset or a mental health piece, right? If you know the dangers and you see what's happening and you don't care, that's different. I've been in that spot too. Not a fun place to be. But for today's episode, I want you to think about where you might be ignoring the symptoms, right? Of uh, all these blood sugar band-aids that you're applying. Do you see that the water flow is starting to decrease and decrease and decrease and the water system you have in place isn't working like it's supposed to? Do you see that you are making excuses for cell phones not working properly, trying to just do quick fixes, right? Do you see that you are justifying not fixing your bike because it's not broken yet and it still kind of works and then you get to the day before your race where you nearly get disqualified because it doesn't work and you have to go in for emergency service. See, I have this threshold in my life now, especially as a result of seeing and experiencing these things over the last week because these three things happened this last week in the last few days. The threshold that I have is that if I am pushing things off, justifying, delaying, or applying band-aids to any of these solutions that I should be seeking, the water, the phone, the triathlon bike, if I do that for more than a month, I have to either reprioritize and do the thing that's necessary, like clear my schedule, do what's necessary, or I have to admit that it's not that much of a priority and I am okay with the worst case scenario outcome which would be disqualification in a race, putting my wife in danger if her phone doesn't work, Uh, not getting my toddler drinking water, right? Am I okay with those? No. And if you think worst case scenario, each of those can get very dark very fast, as it can with diabetes. So if you're not okay with the worst possible outcome, that means you do want to prioritize it. Now the only thing that's missing is you actually taking action. Now, why wouldn't you take action? Because either you don't know what to do or you don't know if it's gonna work. I got a good solution for both of those if you're the kind of person that's sick of dealing with Band-Aids and actually wants a solution. Now, you're gonna have to go do some research yourself, go look into it because I'm not here to tell you what to do. But if you're looking for resources and you're looking for a proven path, we literally have a five-day challenge that will give you everything you need to hit 90% time and range or better, whether it's for the first time or for the next time that's predictable, right? So you can say, hey, tomorrow, gonna be 90% time and range. If you want the tools necessary to fill your toolbox with so you have everything you needed for whatever life throws at you with diabetes, you're gonna go check out fixmyblodsugars.com. It's an S on the end of it. It's plural, fixmyblodsugars.com. That will give you the exact blueprint that myself and all of my clients start with going to introduce formulas to you so you can understand uh, the basic concepts of how blood sugar formulas operate so you can begin to set up your controlled blood sugars with a higher quality of life. Okay, don't make the same mistakes that I did. Don't wait until it's too late because, you know, triathlon being disqualified is one thing, but developing diabetes complications or worse, that's entirely different. I don't want that for anybody. So if this is something that you're ready to take action on, go check out that resource. It's probably one of the best things I can offer you right now. A lot of people try to work with us on a more direct level where they want my help to look at their blood sugars individually, you know, working one-on-one with them or in small group. And we do that, you know, holding their hand through the entire process and really getting everything set up with them. 
at this moment, that is full, so it's not an option. So the next best thing you can do is go through the challenge, which actually qualifies you to work with us if you want that option. But at the very least, it'll give you the tools, the resources, and the blueprint to get those outcomes for yourself in the next five days. So go to fixmyblodsugars.com, check it out. Uh, I really hope you enjoy it. So thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Hope you enjoyed this episode and pulled something valuable from it. Be sure to comment and let me know what your thoughts were and uh, if it was helpful for you. And I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Have an amazing rest of your day. Avoid complacency, take action, and let's crush this thing. Keep up the fight.